Welcome to Offstage with Jordan Baylor, where you'll discover the stories behind the movers and shakers in the entertainment and business world. Now here's your host, Jordan Baylor. Welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. And this one is good. This one is really, really good. I'm going to be honest with you guys. As a writer, I have what I feel every writer has the more I learn about it, imposter syndrome. Like you kind of feel that your work is kind of impersonating people that you admire. I have always wanted to be a professional author, a book author, a writer, a Stephen King type person or or a legend like Chester Himes. If I could just be in that realm, they're just that type of novelist, just have books on books on books with just worlds and characters that just take you places. A writer who consistently creates great work and builds a fan base of hungry readers. So it seemed like a dream that was always elusive or something that would always happen tomorrow. I had the chance to catch up with Russell, creator of The Complete Creative, and he broke down how you make a career as a writer, an actual career, not some pipe dream type of career, a career where you can actually feed yourself. In the interview, if you've ever dreamed of becoming a full-time writer, Russell breaks down the thinking, the work ethic, and the skills you need to hone to not only create a full-time living, but to become great at your craft. This interview is honestly a masterclass for writers. So without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Russell. Hi, welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. I have on the line Russell Nolte. He is a USA Today bestselling author. He writes fiction, science fiction, comic books, fantasy books, and they're all entertaining and thought-provoking. But he's published comic books, fiction books, he teaches, and he runs a podcast, all of it underneath the umbrella of his The Complete Creative brand. And it is helping tons of writers and creators get their careers on track. Um, how are you doing today, Russell? I'm doing great. I'll be honest. This is my, I feel like, a thousandth podcast of the day. I've started doing this thing where I only record one day a week. And uh, it's great because I can get, I can get, uh, I can get stuff done the other days. But man, it is one, it is a, it is a heck of a day. Uh, oh, so but I'm super excited because like we've been, had such a great conversation. So I'm excited to like get into this with you. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask something. I hope you haven't been asked this all day, but I like to ask at the beginning of all my interviews, who is Russell Nolte? You know, it took me a long time to figure that out. Honestly, um, I actually am doing a Kickstarter in the near future um, uh, for a bunch of fantasy books, which I consider my capstone books, which are like the things that really defined me as a writer or let me mold what I thought of myself uh, and, and like who I thought I was as a writer. Um and that really defines me overall. So uh, the USA Today bestselling author was a big was a big like cap on that. Um, mm. But I'm just a guy you who really likes. I, I say USA Today bestselling author because it's easier. I used no, to no, stay no. I like, mean, like when you shake people's hands, there you go, like, "Hi, I'm Russell, USA Today bestselling author." Uh, yeah, usually, honestly, uh, just <laughs> because, awesome. just because it's so easy. Like, so most of this whole thing is like just getting people to 
take you seriously. And mm. I used to be like, my thing was like, hi, I'm Russell. And then we would get into it. And I'd be like, uh, I usually would say, hi, I'm Russell. And like, oh, who are you? What do you do? And like, oh, I'm a USA Today bestselling author. I usually don't do the other one. But I'd be like, oh, you know, I run Kickstarter campaigns. And like, I've raised $170,000. And like, mm-hmm. built a mailing list. And like, I'd have to justify it all these other ways. But uh, to get someone to take me seriously. But now it's like, I'm Russell. I'm USA Today bestselling author. I've done a bunch of other stuff. But can we get past the fact that like, I actually deserve to be on this show or like mm. in this conversation or in this thing. Um, Cause most of it is just people being wary about you. And then you having to prove yourself over time. Uh, and, and, and over time it gets easier because more and more people know you. And, uh, but every time you go into a new thing, like every time I introduce myself to a new podcast, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. I'm like, I don't know. You don't know who I am. I've got about, 50 words to get you to, to get excited about what I have to say. And so, yeah. yes, I say, uh, I'm interested in being on your show. Uh, I'm a USA Today bestselling author and six-figure entrepreneur. Uh, because then someone goes, okay, like you've cut through the BS. And my, I really want to cut through the BS. Like I really want to have like the deep, meaningful conversations. And I don't want to have to prove that I deserve to be there. Like I think my career at this point has proved I deserve to be in the conversation. Um, and my goal now was to just prove that I know what I'm talking about in like mm-hmm. the least amount of words so we can cut to the chase. I, I, I love that. I love that you're talking about like proving to yourself. I mean, not we're proving to others, but my question to you is as a creator and as a writer, when did you feel like you proved to yourself that you were like, you went from like amateur to professional writer? When was it like, is there like a definitive moment where you felt like, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've got this. So there, I think there's three phases of a writing career. Um, the first is the breakthrough. And uh, I, I define that as the moment where like all of the massive pushing against something uh, pops and suddenly like all of your work to build an audience comes to fruition seemingly at once. And for me, that moment was February 15th, 2017. It was the day after I launched my uh Kickstarter campaign for Monsters and Other Scary Shit. Before that, I had raised about $22,000 on Kickstarter across six campaigns. And that book raised $27,000 by itself. It doubled the amount of money that I had raised on a launch. And I knew literally at that moment, when I woke up after that first day of launch, we'd raised like $6,000, which was pretty much what I had raised the whole previous year combined on Kickstarter. (laughs) That like my life was going to change. And it did change because like now everyone was taking me seriously. I wasn't just the guy who was making comics. I was the guy who did a $25,000 campaign and like that I had wrangled 50 people to like do this book with me and like that it was awesome and that it was hardcover and that like and uh, and that it was mind blowing and and all of those good things. Uh, And so then you move on to phase two and Mm -hmm. phase two is I am not a one hit wonder. Uh, I am. I, I I know what I'm doing. I'm good at this thing, and like I I not only uh, and and people care about the thing that I have to say, not just for a moment, but over a sustained period of time. Uh, so then I went into and I did my book uh, Pixie Dust, which raised twenty five thousand uh, dollars. I I did a book uh, my then I did my Cthulhu is hard to spell anthology, which raised thirty nine thousand dollars. And I figured after those two campaigns. Um, those two launches, uh, I proved I wasn't a one trick pony. Like I proved that like all of the methodology that I've been teaching for years on my complete creative course mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and everything that I had, had like, like it at least worked with me. And uh, I have to say that 
if 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 you if the question is like when did I think that I had like uh uh, uh could take a breath? Yeah. Uh, it was after that Cthulhu is hard to spell campaign, and we'd raised like forty thousand dollars basically in like twenty four days, and I was like, okay, like I. I am not a one trick pony. I am not a one trick pony. Even if, uh, and, and, and even if I never do a launch this big again, like very few people ever get to this point. Man, that is, I, I love that. I, I really do. I really do. Cause, cause creators, they, they are so in their head all the time. And for you to, to get an external validation and it actually, build you up that that's beautiful because a lot of people uh, or a lot of creators sometimes you could tell them oh your book is great or this is that and, and they're so negative towards themselves or they they just don't see the positive they only hear the negative so i i like that you were able to see that the uh kickstarter contributions and the fans rallying behind your work like it actually meant something to you because that's what we want to you know when yeah. we give when we vote with our dollar that's what we want the creatives to to, to fill yeah, you know. well, so I actually have a thing about that. It actually irritates me when people uh, talk down about their work when I've bought it because uh, mm-hmm. it's an insult to me. So whenever someone does that to me, I say, are you like, like that's so insulting. Why are you trying to insult me? And they they always come step back and go, oh, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just saying like, I don't really like more because like, well, I like it and like mm-hmm. I bought it. And yeah. <laughs> um, uh, are you saying that my taste is bad? Like, is it your 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 goal to insult the people who are buying your work and you're supposed to like be be nurturing and like loving on as much as possible? And they always go, no, no, no. It's just like, well, objectively, like you can't think your work is you, you can think you have to get better. You yeah. can think like I want to get to the next level. We all should be striving to, to make the next one better than this one. Um, but like I bought this one and like please don't say it sucks because I don't think it sucks. And if you say that it sucks, then you're insulting me. And that was your best at that moment in time. At that moment in time, that was your best. I mean, I I like to believe that, you know, at least. Yeah. So I feel like with creators at the beginning of the career, they try to punch out of their class way too much. They don't try to do, um, they don't try to to look at their skill sets and do the best they can with the skill sets that they have. So I'll give you a couple of examples. The first is uh, really like when I started doing novels and comics, mm-hmm. um, I'd never done long form work before, something that lasted more than one issue or one script. And so I was really nervous. And so when I wrote Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter, it's about a mental patient that escapes from an asylum and becomes a monster hunter and doesn't know if he's killing monstrous humans or it's all in his head the whole time. But that perspective I built in was intentional because I didn't know what I was doing. And I figured that like, if I made inconsistencies or if like things didn't work out, um, I could just blame it on that it was all like uh, uh, like we're seeing it out of Ichabod's eyes. So like it's not supposed to make sense. It's one yeah, person's it. perspective. Um, and so then when I started writing novels, um, I was really nervous about writing novels because they're big and, and they're all words. There's no pictures like I can't rely on anyone else. I had to rely on myself. And so I decided to write a book. Um, I'd written a lot of scripts before, but never a book. So I decided to write a, a middle grade fiction book because they're quite advanced as far as structure goes but they're quite uh terse as far as plot goes and they're very short so mm-hmm. a good middle grade fiction novel is about forty thousand words or even less than that in 25 to forty thousand words and so i felt like i could com- i i could write a good novel a good uh, a, a good novel that was in that vein um then after that i think that it did turn out to be very good um uh, people have told me how much they liked it the next one uh, i moved to ya 
And so, mm-hmm. but YA, I was still nervous because like uh, YA is quite a different step up from um, from uh, middle grade. Very few adults read middle grade, but a ton of adults read YA. So um, yeah. I, I was really worried that uh, I would not be able to have an advanced enough structure in my story. So um, what I did, I've been writing blog posts since 2007. This was 2012, I believe. And I wrote them all. I wrote the whole story in blog posts between two, two best friends as they try to solve the mystery of one of their murder, uh, one of their suicides and prove it's a murder. So it was all told in blog posts, something that I had done for years, hundreds of blog posts that I had written over the course of my, uh, uh over the, the course of, uh, over five years. So I knew that structure. I knew I had structure. And mm-hmm. so I was able to like, again, turn into the skit of my career. And only then was I able to write my first real YA book uh, that didn't have, that wasn't epistolary. That was, a, 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 that was structured like that. Uh, and sorry for existing, which is um, uh, 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 one of my most beloved books uh, still to this day. And then I was able to write in the comic side, I was able to write Katrina hates the dead. And, uh, and, and that was, that didn't have a, that, that was a much more straightforward story. Um, but all of that confidence was built from looking at the skill sets that I had and turning into them instead of trying to wish that I had another set of skills that I, I just hadn't acquired yet. You're a salesman of your books and you, you can like give a whole rundown of your whole anthology of all the books you've published and the projects that you've done at the beginning of your career, were you very timid about sharing your work or trying to sell it? Like, how did you, you know, what skills did you work on to become great at like marketing yourself? I actually took a job in sales. Uh, so oh. I failed. So in my 20s, I believe that your 20s should be blown doing any stupid thing you want to, as long as it's not illegal, it doesn't hurt yourself or somebody else. Uh uh, I had the benefit of being married uh, and meeting my wife when I was 21. So I didn't have any of that, like, go and meet some other human somewhere and, like, uh, continue doing dating. But uh, yeah, so, like, yeah. I, I had that, like, going for me. Um, and I had, like, some stability because my wife's job was quite a bit stable. But, like, I I started a photography studio. I started two production companies. Like I really screwed up my twenties and like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I directed and produced a, a very mediocre movie, uh, oh, short stories. I, uh, I, uh, I, I did, a I directed a, tel- a, a, um, uh, pilot television pilot that didn't get picked up. I was the executive producer of an internet radio, uh, internet uh, television station for a while. Like, I did a bunch of ridiculous stuff in my twenties. Um, and by the time it was over, I had just about nothing to show for it. Uh, except <laughs> I had Ichabod and Katrina, like I actually had finished, but, and like, but I had no like money coming in. I had mm-hmm. some projects that were in production, but like they were real time sucks. And so I, I have, my second rule is you can screw up your twenties as much as you want, but when, when you, when you hit 30, you better have, go, you, you, you better have a plan because you do not want to be the 40 year old who doesn't have a plan. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and it wasn't fair to my wife that I was just continued to dick around. So I decided that the reason that uh, all of my stuff failed was because I did not know how to build an audience or sell it. 
So I literally had no other marketable skills uh, because I have a degrees in broadcast journalism and sociology, which now are very, very, very uh, 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 useful broadcast mm. journalism and doing the kind of thing we're talking about right here. And like literally like being on air and producing live video and all that stuff, sociology and running Facebook ads and, and advertising in general is like all demographic sociology. And so like I'm very good at all of those things. But back then I had none of those skills, nor did I know that they would be important to like this new life that we were that we were building uh so uh, i i couldn't get any job and so the only job that would take me was uh, aflac which takes everybody like literally everybody uh like literally anybody who would apply they would take and so anybody i got my health voice? yeah literally i don't even know if you need a voice i think they just like as long as you have your health and human service uh, your, your health and life license you can do it mm. uh, and so um i I, uh, I I started at Affleck and I sucked, but I knew I needed to get good at this thing. It was like the thing. Um, uh, and, and and so then I moved to a place called Recycler where we sold uh, advertising to car dealerships. And I sucked at that too. And then I got a job at a Sprint reseller and I sucked at that too. But I sucked just a little bit less. Like I, I sucked, like, like, like I got a sale. My other ones didn't even get a sale. Oh, like this man. one, I got a sale the first month. And I got like two sales the next month. And like, I, there was something there. Like I was, I was earning just enough to like not get fired. Yeah. And I just kept working and working. And eventually something clicked. I just followed what my manager said and what the owner said. And eventually like, I got it. And like, I like tore through every other sales salesman. I was always number one. I became the sales manager. Like I, I ran the team. Uh, when the team relocated, I kept uh, working with the LA team and I managed the LA team and the Dallas team. And this all from a guy who like had no idea uh, how to do sales. So like I literally, very literally sucked at it as bad as anybody I've ever known. And uh, I, uh, I, I literally had to get jobs in sales and I had to, and I had to be, uh, I had to be uh, 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 ruthless with it because uh, uh, I stunk so bad, and all of that led to uh, me becoming obsessed with sales and marketing and business, and um, and, uh, and and that led to want to be press uh, in the form that you see it now. Um, the one, the, the 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 all of that sales stuff all was like literally me uh, scrambling to just try to figure out how to hold on to something so that someone would pay attention to my work and nobody ever paid attention to my work. Wow. That is, I can relate to that story so well. Like how you're saying, like, you know, you, you have to figure out how to get people to pay attention to your work, your brand and, and, and who you are as a person and come into your world. And that's kind of where I am at this point. But how did you land on the mission statement of wanting to help others become complete creatives? Well, I think there's a long thread of that in my career, just going back to as long as I can remember. Like I used to be a TA when I was in college. I, I, um, I, uh, I, uh, I did all sorts of like things uh, mm -hmm. that like were teaching related. Um, but it really sort of codified in, uh, when I started doing conventions. So a big part of my living until recently has been doing conventions, um, around the country, San Diego comic-con, New York comic-con, uh, writers conferences. Um, that was about 25% of my overall business and 50% of my writer business, uh, was just doing conventions. Wow. Uh, so I, 
So your fans meet you there and they buy physical copies, signed copies, you take photos, all that jazz? Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. It's great. Uh, we're direct-to-customer direct to companies, so almost all of our sales come from direct-to-customer services. And so then I, uh, 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 when I would do this, I would do panels and people would ask me questions. And I started developing like a, a, you know, like a, a, a pitch that I would do about like how to make comics or how to do this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then I started a podcast. And I started the podcast. My initial podcast was uh, the business of art, and the 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 myth etho, the ethos behind that was, well, I can't sit down at a convention and tell and uh, get people to um and get people to spend an hour of their time with me. But I'll bet if I had a podcast, they would do it anyway, and then I could steal all their best secrets and like put them into practice. And shockingly, hmm. it worked. Uh, <laughs> So uh, between the, the 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 podcast being kind of successful in the in like comics and um, and the fact that I just kept getting the same questions over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, um, I wrote a book called How to Build Your Creative Career. Um, so people would shut up and quit like asking me the same <laughs> questions or like in fairness, uh, 20 minutes with me at a table is like drinking out of a fire hose. So it was also like, here is a guide that you don't have to try and take notes during this. And it became successful. And that led to the complete creative. And the mission statement really was just like, uh, I love creatives. Like I am at that, my base, like I love like buying comics and meeting creators and like meeting authors. And like, I totally geek out on that shit. And I am sick of them getting screwed around like screwed over. I'm sick of them making no money and not valuing their work. And like, I know that if they made more money on their work, they would make more of their work. And then I could buy more of their work. And, uh, so, uh, I wanted to be a company that like, uh, that, that didn't just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. And so I, 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 I built that deep into the core of wannabe press and, and, and deep into the core of, of just my being, uh, you know, I, I have a, hundreds of blog posts now on my website and most of them are just from, uh, are just from, um, me, uh, uh, uh writing a Facebook post and then transferring it to Facebook, to, 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 to the complete creative, because that is just the person that I am. And, and I believe that all of that good is the goodwill that I build up. And then I definitely use it when I launch products. Like I, I, I like expect you to buy my work. Like I, like, this is not a question. Like I, like, I, like, I feel like I put out good enough work mm-hmm. and I'm, 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 I'm out there enough. I'm giving enough back to the community. And like, I'm listening to my fans enough that like, dude, you better go buy my work. Like, I have no problem asking that question. And that was really at the beginning. I did have a problem asking for it. I was like, oh, God, am I like, like, how do I like justify for you to buy a book? Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, most of my life is this world of like giving back and then taking and then giving back and trying to make sure that I'm always like, I'm, I'm, I'm always like building up my, my, my nest egg and my, and my deposits are always more than my, uh, than, than my withdrawals mm-hmm. so that I can, uh, go into somebody with a straight face and say, nah, man, like this book is great. And like, you should buy it now. And I have no problem telling you that because like, I have literally told you, I have given you the source material for how to make a book. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. like I've literally given you the course. I have a course about how to yeah. write a great novel. And like, yeah. I've literally given you the playbook. So like, go buy my book now. 
Uh, and, uh, and, and part of it was, uh, just the fact that I like helping people. And part of it was the fact that like, um, that I wanted a justification for how to look myself in the face and say that you should go buy my work. And that was the best justification that I could find at the time. Okay. I, I, I love the confidence. I, I, I love the confidence you as a creator. I love to hear the, it's not cockiness, it's, it's confidence. And, and people have a problem with confidence. And to see a creative person be confident is just so refreshing. It really is because, you know, most times people picture the creator and they're always second, triple guessing themselves. And you're like, no, my stuff is good. Uh, give me your money <laughs> because well, I have objective proof well, that it's good because yeah. people buy them like it might not be. I always say it is objectively good. And it is subjectively your jam. And uh, if it is if it is good and your jam, you will subscribe to my podcast. You will follow me around. You will buy my books. Um but it could be it could be objectively good and not mm-hmm. your jam or you could the podcast could be your jam but you don't like fantasy novels and that's okay listen to the podcast or like listen to the part that like is your jam but um but uh uh yeah i mean there's just there's just thousands of bullet points of proof man of people who've come to me and told me how much they loved my work that like i i worry about the new stuff mm-hmm. i always worry about whether the new thing is good um until it gets through my wife my mm-hmm. uh, my editor my proofreader and my wife once it gets through those three people and they say that it's good um uh i believe it. I, I believe that it's good for at least those three people and those three people are kind of like the they are they are representations of my perfect audience so like uh-huh. if my wife likes it i am very confident that like uh, uh uh it is good now it's just is it your jam well if you like uh uh magic mythology and monsters uh like fantasy horror sci-fi kind of smashed together uh yeah it's gonna be your jam you're gonna like it like uh if you like my voice and then it because so there's the first step there's like okay so um is is it objectively good well if if a bunch of people like it then it's objectively good subjectively your jam you've got to be very good at, at knowing if like people actually like it or if like they're just saying they like it but assuming that it hits that point uh and then uh, uh, you like the work, like, like, like the kinds of stuff that I write mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, mythology and monsters and magic and like fantasy thrillers and all of that stuff. Um, then it's about, do you like my voice? Do you like the thing that I say? Do you like the way that I say it? Are you a fan of like fast paced stories that have very little like fluff and BS, like things that like keep you on the edge of your seat while thinking like, while thinking clearly, you basically just like the words that are coming out of my mouth now. Because if you like this kind of a cadence and rhythm, it's mm-hmm. the same kind of cadence and rhythm that I write in. Uh, so you're probably going to like my books. Uh, and that's how it sort of started on the fiction side. And on the nonfiction side, it was much easier because like, look, if I'm on this show and you like the thing you're hearing uh, and you want to hear more of it, I literally have hundreds of blog posts, thousands of hours of, 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 of content that you can consume. That's just like this. Uh, that's just like spoken like this. Um, that's like, that's like, that's like as, as pointed and directed and helpful as this. And all of those things become, become, uh, the sort of, I guess, milieu of like how you, I have confidence as a, as, as a, as, as a writer, because, um, people keep justifying the fact that the thing that I'm doing is working for them. And some of them are like, you are my favorite author. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? Like, 
Melissa Albert is like out there and like Stephen King and J.K. Rowling are out there and I'm your favorite author. I'm like, well, I must be doing like there's a difference between saying I like your work and like you are my favorite author or you are one of my favorite authors or like I Uh took your course and like it literally changed everything for me or like you believed in me or told me this one tip five years ago. And now like, look at me now. I'm like finished this, this thing. Like those are objective bullet points that you cannot deny. Um, However, it is only an objective bullet point for the things you have already made. It is not an objective bullet point for the things that you are making currently. All you can say is my taste made these other things. And my taste says that this is as good as the other things. But um, there is always the chance that you were going to have a season eight of Game of Thrones and screw it all up. And of that, I am very worried about. And I, I, I so I have sort of two modes mm-hmm. when I am designing a project. Thinking about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am in businessman mode. How can I best how can I best do the audience uh, service? How can I best find new people in that audience? How can I best maximize all of this stuff and uh, all in one package? Um, so that's that's businessman Russell before the book is done. Businessman Russell also comes after the book is done and the cover comes and the editing comes and, and sorry, and the cover comes and the packaging comes and like it's all in a nice bow and it has to be sold. Mm-hmm. That's a pu- publisher Russell. In the creative process, though, with the book that I'm writing, it is very different. It is like complete neurotic mess Russell, writer Russell, um, until it gets really back from my proofreader. Once it gets back from my proofreader and she yells at me about killing somebody or like uh, or like whatever the thing is, or like she tells me that she was only going to read 80 pages and she read 200 pages, whatever that thing is that she does. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I'm like, okay, I'm like. My editor has now sounded off on it. My proofreader has now sounded off on it. My wife will sound off on it. And 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 then I can say objectively, even if I just spent a thousand dollars to make my wife happy, like whatever, that's fine. But like I know it is objectively good. Um, but I am the first to admit I am not everyone's cup of tea. I am loud and I am uh, confident yeah. and uh, I don't like BS. I don't particularly care for authority figures. Uh, I don't particularly care of care for the way things are done mm-hmm. or how they're supposed to be done, especially if they are inefficient. I do not like uh, the way that knowledge is hidden behind a paywall that said, I do hide some knowledge behind a paywall. We can talk about why we can talk, but we can talk about the justification that I that I have for that also, if you would like. But um, I believe that like some things are worth the experience. Yes, and I believe that in order for my company to work, that I I do have to charge for it. And when people charge for it, they enjoy it more when than when it's free. They just do like it. Just it just. It just happens. I don't know why they value it more. I don't know why they enjoy it more, but they just do. It has a value on it. It's a, you know, it's 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 very true though. You can give somebody a book versus making them pay for it, and they will enjoy it more if you know they pay for it. Because I've told people and I've given books as gifts, and people don't read it. You know, they just put it back on their shelf, and nothing happens with it. Versus like they pay for it, and they're like, "Hey, man, this is the greatest book ever, or this is the greatest movie I've ever seen." I, I don't understand the logic behind it. If someone gives me stuff, I just read it. Like, yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, but I, yeah, it's uh, it's 
it, it it's one of those things. So here's the other thing is mm-hmm. like what we're, we're going to be on this for another half an hour. We're going to, I'm going to have an hour total with you and your fans. Right. Yeah. Like I, uh, I have to come across as confident in order to have any chance of getting those people to uh, of getting the people that are listening or you to read my books or like, trust me, like there are so many things bombarding you. There are literally every three, every three posts on Facebook is an ad at this point. Yeah. So like there are so many people ahead of me in the writing game and in the creating teaching creatives game that like, if I do not have supreme confidence and the and, and not just supreme confidence, but the data to back up that supreme confidence as well, mm-hmm. right? Like have helped hundreds of people, thousands of people probably at this point, et cetera. And like had thousands of people read my work and buy my work and like enjoy it. Mm-hmm. There is no chance that like someone is going to leave this show and also try my show or also try my books or also try anything that's in my universe. And I do, I think while I have supreme confidence in my work and I think I am uh the foremost or one of the foremost experts on running a on building a creative business in the world and mm-hmm. I am a world-class writer uh I don't think that I'm cocky or arrogant about it I just think that I'm stating a a a fact that yes. I that I owe the fans of my work who have told me that like I am their favorite author and that I am the, and that is what gives me the ability to sit here and say like I think that if you like monsters, mythology, and magic, that mm-hmm. you will love my work. In fact, I have given you a book for free, and v- demons follow behind us in my most popular universe, the Godsverse. And if you don't, if you read one chapter of that and you don't love it, put it down and never read my work again. But I am, I am very, 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 very sure that within one chapter of that book, you're going to be hooked, or you're going to put it down because um, I have run this test tens of thousands of times in my career. Mm-hmm. And it always works. Every time that someone has tried three pages, roughly th- three in 10 of those people buy the next book or buy that book. And they wow. literally from three pages, they just read a prologue or very yeah. little bit. And those people end up being my best fans. So I don't want to give you like a huge book or a tome or homework. I'm just saying, go and pick up the book. And then tonight, Mm-hmm. read one chapter of it or join my mailing list at russellnolte.com and pick you get one issue of Ichabod, one issue of Katrina, uh, one short story in the God's verse and a couple of other things. Oh, the first chapter of my nonfiction book and then just read it and let, and, 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 and like, I know that like the right people are going to resonate with it and that they're going to stay and they're going to become rabid fans of mine because there isn't another Russell Nolte Mm-hmm. There isn't another person who's out there like smashing together like fantasy and science fiction and mythology, all sorts of different mythologies together with fairy tales and like and like doing it in the way that I'm doing it. And just like there's nobody doing the thing that you're doing, Jordan, or no one doing the next. Part. So like if you resonate with the thing that I do, you're damn right. Like I want you to buy all my books like because you're going to enjoy it and you're going to enjoy it so much that like you will welcome buying my books because it means you do not have to go on Amazon and go to the hundreds of free books and try to find one of those hundreds that oh you like. Oh my god, that is a chore right there. But I know I, and that I, is the thing and that is the thing that creatives don't actually understand. Mm-hmm. Um is uh there is you could literally Jordan spend the rest of your life never buying one book ever again because there are so many books that are free on Amazon. 
Uh, there's every day there is a hundred or more new books on Amazon that you can go and download for free ethically, like without even going to like a pirate site or anything, yeah. you could just go and buy the, get those books for free. But the amount of time you then have to spend sifting through those books to find one that you want, that yeah. is what we're giving. That is what we're giving. That is what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the ability to just mindlessly buy my work. If you like mm-hmm. it, because you're always going to know that I have it's I have a tested. plan. Yeah. Th- that that like that like when you open my books, I have a plan and you just have to sit back and enjoy the ride. Uh and and if you like one book, you're going to like a bunch of other of my books. Maybe not all of them, but most of them, especially in the same series, you are going to enjoy. And that means you do not have to spend the next week or month or year trying mm-hmm. to find another author that you resonate with. It's the same thing with my courses. If you want to spend a thousand hours going through my entire website and all of my podcast archives, you will find literally everything in my courses. Mm-hmm. Every every single thing that's in my courses is in those things. It's all broken up into like a thousand blog posts. And what you're paying for on the by ta- by paying for a course uh-huh. is that is the best information put together in a in a implementation guide for you so that instead of it taking two years to do something, it took, it takes you six weeks or two weeks or one week to get the same result. And those are the things that I'm trying to save people. I'm trying to save people time. Uh, you're wasting your time. If you're looking for other authors to do monsters, mythology and magic uh, that are not Russell, because like I am here, if you want one, there's I'm, I, yeah. my book is good. You might I- not love it. I want uh, to but, touch on that. I want to touch on that for one moment. Like you, sure. you write, you write comic books and regular fiction books, and um, you you have success now. But where did you first find success? Was it in the comic world, or and then you parlayed it into regular fiction, or where did I don't you? I think I have that much success in the fiction book world right now. All of my success really still comes from comics. I'm uh-huh. my, my first hit was Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. It's the first dollar I ever made uh, on my creative work was Ichabod Jones Monster. And before that Kickstarter, all I did was spend money and never make it. Um, So so Ichabod Jones was the first time that I put something out there and people actually responded to it. And that was 2014. I'd been doing this since 2000 and uh, 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 putting creative products together, like movies and such since 2007. I was paid to like be a DP or like be a crew member on a show, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my creative work putting out there. So I went 2006 is when I wrote my first script. I went from 2006 to, uh, 2014, uh, eight years without ever making $1 and spending a hundred thousand dollars on my uh, on, 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 on all of these things put together. Wow. That is, that's inspiring, man. That's inspiring. Cause people, people will come to you and of course say the horrible, horrible verbiage. You are overnight success. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the tenure overnight success is a real phenomenon. In fact, uh, uh, you can 2007 is when I launched my first product and 2017 mm-hmm. is where I broke through my first time. So that's so literally 10 books- years. Your comic books, um, you're not drawing them, are you? Or are you drawing them as no, well? No, I don't right? draw them. Except for a okay. book called Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. Uh, I don't draw. I write and I edit. Um, you write um, and you edit. Okay. How do you find a, um illustrator that matches your um, writing or you feel like you can work well with? 
Oh, that is a very big question. So the the best answer that I can give you is that you have to do an outmoded amount of time uh, finding people that fill your vision. So I spend 80% of my time hiring the artist. I look through hundreds of things or follow them for years. Um, I watch them grow and create and mold. And I work with them on small projects and all sorts of stuff. And I like test the out of them hmm. because I want to make sure that they are going to uh, fulfill the thing that I need them to do. Um, some of that is in the uh, anthologies. It's really a nice way to figure out, like if you if you work well with somebody is to hire them for an anthology and see mm-hmm. like if they're on time, if your audience responds to them, um, yada, 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 other things that like make sure that they're good. Um, but uh, I get all of my people from referral now. Uh, so I would recommend joining a bunch of Facebook groups and such and like finding books, independent comic books. There's so many of them that you could find and the, and the creators are so nice. You could pretty much just go and find whatever kind of style you want and just talk to that artist and see if they're interested in another book. If not, uh, then they will probably reference you to somebody else who is, uh, who is in that style. There are some places that you can go and look deviant art, digital webbing, pencil Jack. Um, there are some, uh, Facebook groups that also do that. Um, there's a lot of like independent comic groups, independent illustrator groups, uh, the society for professional illustrators. But the easiest thing is to really like ask around, find books that match your style that you're mm-hmm. looking for. Um, and kind of like, uh, uh, just be open to, like join those Facebook groups of people that kind of have that style. Like I, I join a lot of like dark fantasy, dark poppy kind of groups. And then, um, and then find uh, someone that resonates with you, become friends with them. Um, uh, 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 you know, all of my artists, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very um, happy that uh, for the vast, I, I can't think of one artist that I don't still talk to that. I actually have had draw my work like that on a regular basis. Um, uh, 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 Ichabod, I will tell you that was a blind submission from a DV, uh, a digital webbing, uh, mm-hmm. article, uh, a post, uh, uh, so was Katrina. Uh, uh, but those are the only two real books that I've ever, uh, and I, I did a, I, I did a couple of shorts, one, um, one called paradise and one called wannabes that were also blind submissions. Um, but general for the vast majority of my work since then, uh, has all been people that I know or people that I've grown to know over the course of times. And I'm happy to say that Juan, um, Bruno, and, uh, and, and Renzo are all still dear friends of mine. And Renzo is still drawing uh, Ichabod Jones to this day, uh, even, after, even though there was a long break. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about like spending an outmoded amount of time finding the person. And don't just rely on somebody that, that like uh, is available at the time because you're going to have these books for a decade. I, we, we started making Ichabod in 2010. Mm-hmm. It's now 2020 and I'm still talking about it. Um, the, uh, uh, the God's verse Chronicles was 2011 and uh, you know, it's nine years later and I'm still writing books in that universe. So these are things we're going to have for hopefully the rest of your life that are still saleable. You know, I started the monster anthology or first anthology 2016. That's 2020. That's almost five years. Uh, we're still doing monster anthologies. So, you know, all of this stuff, 
um, will follow you for the rest of your life. And uh, 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 you want to make sure that the people are going to deliver the work uh, on time in the right style and be able to work without a lot of oversight. Um, once I, once I hire an artist, I have very little involvement in the, in the, in the art process, uh, because I've done so much work beforehand. I give them the script and they send me back pages that are better than the script. And, uh, I don't think about it. Like, I don't yeah. think about like, is Renzo going to send me good art or is Eric going to send me good art or is Angela or is Nick going to send me like, I just know that it's going to be good and it's going to be, be equal to or better than anything that I'm imagining. And yeah. I want them to have agency. That is a big thing for getting someone to finish work is you, they have to, even if you're paying them out, mm-hmm. they have to feel like they have agency over the work. They have to feel like, like, like it's it's a, a lot of writing is writing just enough so someone can imagine in their head, but not enough that they are going to um, that they are going to um, uh, 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 feel like uh, they're being told what to do. So you want to guide that their imagination, but you don't want to uh, 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 like stamp your hand and draw it for them. Or when you're writing fiction, uh, make make it out of, uh, make their, uh, 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 force an image inside their head. You want the movie to be playing in their head. You want them to see the page. And your goal then is to find the fans who see the page and enjoy what they're reading on the page. And with, uh, with, uh, with comics, it's to find an artist who sees the page the way you imagine the page and then delivers something that's better than what you think. And then turn into the skid of what they like. Um, you know, Renzo really has a screwed up imagination and like writes real weird stuff mm-hmm. and draws real weird stuff. So I get to draw, I get to write a bunch of monsters for him and I get to write fast paced action and blood and gore and viscera. Uh, Angela Odling, who I'm also doing with is literally the exact opposite. Like her stuff is all these small moments. They're all these, um, they're all these like beautiful, like little times and like her stuff is so charming and cute and adorable and whimsical that like i don't write hardly any action for her all of that is like uh just comes out of her of, of her like heart and her uh, and, and and her emotion and they're very small and mm-hmm. I, we could have one scene that goes on 20 pages and ichabod one scene goes like two pages and it's long uh because there's just so much going on and that's true with all of my with eric lervold i need to write big vistas and scapes and like and like uh and uh, and snarky dialogue um you know, with Nick, I want to write a lot of action. He want, he likes to feel like an animated movie. So like, I need to like really like lean into that. And, and whatever the artist is, like, I'm looking for someone that, that, that has those, that, that has strengths that can complement mine, but also I'm looking for where their strengths are. And can I find something that is fitting into uh, that? Uh, so I have an artist friend who's in our monsters and other scary uh, uh, Cthulhu is hard to spell the terrible twos anthology. And she had a pinup in uh, our book, pixie dust. Mm-hmm. And uh, she posted something a couple of days ago. Um, and, uh, and I thought about it a lot. And I was like, today, I was like, I think I could hire her to do this piece because like she does, amazing work and like the specific community that I love and like all of her work is great. And like, I just, I connect with it so much and I didn't think I had a piece for her, but then I woke up this morning and was like, no, I totally could get her to do like this thing for me. Wow. And, um, 
and and it's about like sometimes you got to sit on it for two years or a year and yeah, that was, six months. That was, uh, that was actually my next question. When you land on an idea, how long does it take you to digest it before you you know put every other idea in the drawer and, and, and focus on it? Like, how do you swat the idea fairy, as I like to call them? How do you swat the idea fairies away and and, and land on a certain one? This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks, and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They, they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy, and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap, or they're they're tight around the toe, or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks, and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores, and quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks. And after a few washes, they either rip, or they shrink, or I lose a pair, or I lose one of the socks. Those two are on me. But sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about Sock Season is Sock Season has a unique 30-day wash guarantee, which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like, if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked. Which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So, go to www.SockSeason.com. S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Use coupon code OFFSTAGE for 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. Well, I think there's two parts of this. The first one is that you have to know, uh, like the first part is you don't know what's going to hit, right? So you've got to do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. You do a bunch of stuff, right? a bunch of genres. You don't know what you like. So like, write thriller and romance and and like you know i've written romantic comedies and thrillers and and sci-fi and like grounded grounded sci-fi and mystery and i've written all the genres and so like i've and i've been able to pick everything that i like out of those genres and sort of like make amalgamate my own sort of like fantasy thriller with monsters mythology and magic genre Mm -hmm. um uh but you don't know what you like and you don't know people are going to respond to from you so you've got to make a lot of stuff you also aren't very good at the beginning, so you got to make a lot of garbage, like make good stuff. So you got to just make a bunch of things. You have to um, allow yourself to suck. Yes. Uh, once you have a little bit of success, it becomes different because now money's on the line. And now you can only work on so many projects at once. And uh, if you outsource projects, uh, you are now risking a lot of money uh, in return for uh, – uh, who knows what the return is going to be? So you have to sort of rely on the things that are uh, big hits for you. So Ichabod and Cthulhu and the monster and the gods versus Chronicles, mm-hmm. um, this new pro. But like I have a new secret project, which uh, is uh, also what this artist is going to be doing some work on, I think, um, if, assuming she likes the book that I sent her. Um, and that is a little bit different uh, because I... Uh, I then have to ask myself three questions. Um, and I know you're going to ask me the questions and I, they, they literally just flew out of my mind. Um, the first one is, uh, luckily I have it written in my book, um, which I can just sort of uh, pull up now in the, in the, in the, 
in the mo- in these moments as I'm stalling for time. <laughs> uh, uh, how to become a successful author? Uh, ebook. All right, I'm pulling it up because I don't want to mess it up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I do a lot of talking, and I don't talk about this one specifically uh, that much. So I want to make sure I get it right. But there are three questions that I ask myself when I have to ask them, and I literally pretty much do the same thing. Um, own thing. Not every. Uh, there we go. How did? Uh, is this project worth the effort it takes to complete? Um, most projects sound good at first blush, but during exploration, uh, it turns out they're not very well worth it. Um, uh, uh, you know, they're either not a genre that you like, they're not a, um, they're not a, uh, a, a, the kind of project you like, or mm. it's just going to take too long, or it's going to be too involved, or it's going to be too much money. Uh, there's, there's always something, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. All yeah. right. So there's, that's, that's step one. Uh, step two is, is uh, this project better than anything I have in the works. Uh, so you have a finite amount of things you can work on at any one time, and in order to uh, and in order to uh, uh, to uh, be on my docket, it has to be better than anything else that's on my docket already. Um, uh, and then uh, step three is assuming I'm under leveraged, which I prefer to be under leveraged than over leveraged and have uh, plenty of time to think about this stuff. Am I willing to eat into my free time to work on this project? Uh, so uh, uh, if uh, you can answer three to those three questions, then I think it's something you should explore. But you have to really answer honestly, not just, oh, I think it's cool. Um a couple of ways that you can think about this is I don't write anything down until I like have thought long and hard about it. Um, if something has to fight to bubble back up then, and it keeps fighting and fighting and fighting, I know it has some resonance there. Mm. The other thing I do is smash together like 10 projects at once. Um, so I, uh, I, I tend to have in both my God's verse and this secret project and Ichabod also, uh, I have these ideas and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a new project, but like, let's just smash that into like this thing. Like, we'll make that this thing or like, we'll make this this thing over there. Or um, uh, so you end up, um, you, I end up with like projects that like are really an amalgamation of 15 projects. And but like that makes them more sturdy for me. I've never um, heard that tactic. To yeah, take- one yeah, one thing that. that I do is a lot of my books have multiple point of view characters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's something I learned actually from George R. R. Martin. I'm not a huge fan of Game of Thrones, uh, the book series. Um, but one thing I do respect about him is he wrote a book series that was like at least seven books in one. So uh, Arya's having a coming of age story. Uh, Sansa is having a, a political intrigue story. John is having a, uh, a, a traditional epic fantasy story. And all of these characters are having their own stories. And like, it never gets, uh, people then can, 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 can like pick their favorites or lean into one thing or another thing. And he somehow makes it all work in this world, which is not easy. I'm not saying you should do this, but mm-hmm. one thing that I do employ is I, I tend to have, uh, multiple point of view characters so that again, things don't get uh, too boring. I can always switch to another character or look forward to moving to another realm or another, this or another, that or another place so that I'm not like tied to that one place at a time with the gods Chronicles, for instance, there's uh, at least five main characters 
um, who I can switch in novels or books or or uh, I can I can include them all in like an Avengers style team up mm-hmm. or I can write single stories for them. But I always know the next one doesn't have to be about that person. It can be about anyone else, anywhere else in the universe or even a new character. Ah. Ah. Kind of got my head reeling on that one. I, I was thinking about so much. Um, you you write you run your podcast and you write comic books, fiction novels, and you you your output is insane. Like I've gone through everything. I'm still trying to digest it all. Like, how are your days structured to create so much content? Um, well, I I spent a year building up the complete creative before I actually launched it. So I did a year of daily. Um, and then I realized I didn't have to do daily. Uh, like people, it wasn't really growing in the way that I wanted it to grow. So I could just do like weekly, or I could just do the podcast, mm-hmm. and then I could uh, post the other uh, blog posts when I uh, sort of around that uh, thing. And I, I realized that like, I liked doing that. And I would, uh, on writing days, I tend to write a blog post in the morning, because it gets my fingers numb, uh, nimble. And, uh, you know, I write a 1000 word blog post or a 500 word blog post. And like, uh, then I can put it up. And it sort of is my is my like, writing exercise for the day, so that I can like get down to the business of actually writing. Um, one thing is I write very fast. I write uh, 5,000 words a day. So uh, that allows me to write uh, books much faster than if you were writing 1,000 words a day in the same amount of time. Wow. Uh, so I found ways to uh, push my writing so that I was writing just a lot more output a lot quicker. Uh, one year I wrote- uh, no, I write. I can't write through diction. I write all typing out. And uh, I wrote 18 novels in one year that way. Um, I destroyed one keyboard that way. Actually, this is my second keyboard. Um, so I, I, I write very fast. Uh, I write books that can be written very fast. And, uh, and, I, um, and, uh, and I then stack stuff on top of each other. So one of the things that people don't understand, uh, uh, have you, do you know the one thing? It's uh, it's a, yeah the book the one yeah, thing yeah I've given that as a gift to my friend but he didn't read it <laughs> yeah Great so book. the one thing is amazing because the one thing structures your whole life so that everything is pointing in one direction and everything that points in that direction you can then uh, should be stacking on top of each other and everything that is not sta- pointing in that direction you say no to and so uh, like it's such a simple concept. So I structure it so that I have one thing that I'm guiding for and all of the things are pushing towards it in one thing. So if I'm on this podcast, I'm doing it's 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 serving two or three other functions, you know, like I it, it's serving uh branding for wannabe press if anyone likes monsters magic and mythology, it's branding for the complete creative, um it's making a connection, it's uh it's 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 building a network. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's making it's 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 just do, doing multiple things, and all because all of it stacks together. And I spent a lot of my career not stacking them together or not no, understanding what stacking meant. Um, and then I started doing conventions, and conventions are like the epitome of stacking because you're you're making money, <laughs> you're uh, you're you're doing panels, you're building your brand, you're having meetings. You are uh, you're you're doing marketing. You're getting people on your mailing list. Like you're doing so much stuff at one time that uh, anything that I do has to serve t- 
two or three purposes. Just has to because like uh I it, like I I've got to I've got to like feed the beast of this this like career that I'm trying to grow and grow and grow and like expand the edges but but instead of expand the edges I'm trying to like push the edges down so like they all move up to this like single focus. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that you people I mean, people don't understand compounding interest when it comes to their retirement, but they definitely don't understand compounding when it comes to your career. And all of these little things uh, build up over a long period of time, and then they sort of hyper go at one time. So, for instance, um, we uh, 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 I started booking shows, uh, uh, podcast appearances in February or March, and I've been on, I don't know, close to 100 so far in those months. But mm-hmm. that is only because I have built up being a six-figure entrepreneur and USA Today bestselling author. And I can talk about crowdfunding and mindset. And I've built all of these pieces. So it helps me get booked a lot more mm-hmm. because I have built all of these pieces. But when I was building them, it felt like it was nothing. Like It just felt like, like a waste of time. But then having them all together, like all now builds onto uh, a, like, like a stack uh, like a programming stack that nobody else has. Like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, an author, but I make most of my living on Kickstarter and at shows. Uh, so like, that's a very, a very unique way to do it. Yeah. I'm a business owner, but I make my living through creative products. So uh, I'm a creative, but like, I also make a lot of money and like can talk for creatives about creatives with creatives and to creatives, which is like, all of those things are just a very unique stack that like most people don't have. Most people that do the thing I do with um, teaching creatives are academics uh-huh. or people who've never actually gone through the process before um, or people who've been through the process but don't understand how to teach the process. Uh, so I both know the process and can teach the process uh, uh, very quickly and efficiently. So again, that's just all of that stack coming into stark focus, which just like when you're building for retirement seems to be going nowhere until it suddenly has a, a, uh, a hockey stick type curve, like in the last few years of your career. Uh-huh. And there's still things, you know, like my podcast does not get a lot of downloads, uh, you know, maybe a couple hundred, uh, an episode. And that's cause I put no effort into like building the audience. I, uh, this is the most effort I put in. Uh, all of that is all organic because I uh, I'm spending all of my time on the complete creative. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry on wannabe press and my novels and like spending all of my time building like a twenty thirty thousand person uh, 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 mailing list over there, and like this mailing list for the complete creative is like twenty four hundred people. Now could I scale it to twenty thousand people? Probably at this point, and I'm looking at ways to do that. But um, uh, 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 there's there's uh, they, they, these things just all have to sort of build together and the complete creative and the and wannabe press are just like a beautiful marriage. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, the wannabe press is me doing creative work and the complete creative is me training to do creative work. Yeah. Uh, wannabe press is me is making work with other people. And, uh, and, and the complete creative podcast is me interviewing other people uh, uh, who are creatives to build, to bring into my network and make my network stronger. So it makes my want to be press network stronger yeah. so the podcast and all of these things just like work together in a way that I don't know if I didn't 
if, if I didn't point it out that anybody would be able to like understand how it points out. But hopefully when like I pointed out that like all of these things just like kind of stack on top of each other, you go, you're right. They really seem to stack on top of each other because they do. Yeah, they all feed each other. So was that the original intention when you first started each one of these projects? Uh, Or was it organic? uh, I think that the intention originally for the wannabe press, uh, for uh, the complete creative came from the Business of Art podcast. Mm -hmm. And that was just me wanting to uh, figure out how to break in and how to like, and like, interviewing all of the people and stealing their best ideas it's the very much the neil gaiman or um or journalist strategy where like i'm going to interview a bunch of well-known people and they're going to tell me what to do and then i'm just going to do that um that then sort of built up over time to the thing that like i do now but it's always been very organically uh, and and most of the complete creative honestly and the books the whole thing is because uh People kept asking me the same question and I just wanted to reference them an article or like a book. Like, how do you build your creative career career? Mm -hmm. Well, look, here is a a book called how to build your creative career, how to become a successful author. Look, man, here's how to become a successful author. It's a literal book that like answers your question. How do you become a success? How how to become a successful self-published author. That's an epic blog post on my site. How to like audience build. There's another mm-hmm. epic blog post. The my best Kickstarter tips, an epic blog post. Like all of these things are just like once I learn it, I put it in a product or I put it in a blog post. And I have been doing it for so long that it's just second nature. But now when someone says, Hey, uh, do you who who knows how to do this thing? I just go, there's an article. It's like it's more comprehensive than anything else you're going to find. I know I wrote it, but I also know that it is more comprehensive because I've also read every other article on this topic. Yeah. Uh, like when I do that novel course, I'm like, this not this course is free, but it's also the best novel course because I've taken so many damn novel courses and I know that like <laughs> usually usually they will focus on one of these things and probably not do it that well. Uh, so I do a ton of this work just in my life like because mm-hmm. I want to become a better writer. So I talk to writers and I do writing courses and I, 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 I speak at conventions because I want to be better known. And all of that feeds into want, uh, the, 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 uh, the complete creative. And while I didn't start the uh, business of art uh, intentionally, there was a lot of intention of, uh, around the complete creative. And almost all of the, the profit from the complete creative goes back into wannabe press books. Oh, okay. I love it. Okay. All right, I'm just kind of linking it all together in my head and seeing how the machine works. It's like a flywheel. I love it. Um, I, I have to ask a question from a, from a selfish point of view. I'm in the editing phase of a short children's novel that I wrote called uh, You and the Wall. Uh, what is the first thing that I need to do to start promotion on it? Because I wrote the book, I'm looking at it, and I'm going back and forth with my illustrator, and we're putting the fi- final touches on it, but I don't know the first thing to do. Uh, so it's a it's a children's it's a what age group is it? It's more the 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 story is really it's a children's novel, but anybody can read it. It's for so it's a first reader book. No, it's not really a first reader book. It's I would say it's probably for like seven and up. You know, so first reader. Yeah, oh, first, first reader. reader okay, All right. well, I thought like second or third, you know, two or three year old kids. I don't know. No, those are different kinds of books. So the first thing you got to know is know who you're re- writing for. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know who you're writing for, then you don't know. Uh, then you don't uh, know how to edit it. 
really. Um, the second thing you might want to do is if you can't have have uh, have distance on it is to hire a developmental editor. Um, they are quite expensive, but they will bring you through the whole process and they'll break you down and like build you back up. And and uh, they're a pretty good investment as far as uh, as far as like what you return for them if you hire the right one, mm-hmm. um, especially if you find one that like has worked at one of the major places in that department, because like they'll know whether you're on the right track or not. Um, as far as like editing yourself uh this is really tough because i do it the opposite of how other people do it um most people overwrite and then cut down i underwrite and then build up uh so my first script might be forty thousand words and then by the end i've added twenty thousand words to make it a sixty thousand word book um that generally happens in all of my work, uh, 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 where I will, I will start small and then build and build and build and build and build over several rewrites. If you've never done it yet, uh, you don't really know your process. Uh, you don't really know the word count that you're looking to get to. Um, you don't know where you're trying to hit, um, uh, or if your things are landing. So the best thing is to do the first pass and structure. That's what I do. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm building up the pros of the work, but I'm also making sure the structure is rock solid. That means that uh, every chapter ends with a twist or a reason to go to the next chapter, that every chapter uh, that, that every chapter has a three arc three act structure, that every scene has a three act structure, that the whole book that every sequence has a three act structure, that the book has a three-act structure. The easiest thing to do is just break it down um, in the structured chapter of my book, exp- the, of the course you have, explains it, is, mm-hmm. is you just have to make sure everything uh, everything has an arc to it. Every, every like The three-act structure is replicated down to the scene level. Um, uh, so that is the most important part of structure. Just make sure everything is building upon each other. Um, second one is character. Now I've done characterization in the first draft because I want to make sure they're usually from the beginning of the, the, the thing that changes the most for me is characters, uh, uh, voices change over the course of a book. And my job in the first draft is then to do structure, but also make sure the character sounds in the end of the book and the beginning of the book, like they did at the end of the book. So I'm doing characterization and uh and structure in the first pass the second pass is for um dialogue uh so i'm really working on the dialogue uh and the the character stuff uh the third draft and this used to go on for eight drafts now i do it in three drafts but the third part is not then proofreading the third time i'm doing this i'm going through and just making sure everything i didn't miss anything and then it goes to my editor and my editor has like hacks it up and then I get it back and then my editor hacks it up again and then my proofreader hacks it up. Um, uh, and so uh, by the time of it, I've done basically six drafts um, and had three different eyeballs on it. Uh, but that's how I always look at sort of I want to make sure when I first do the editing that I'm only looking at one thing at once. So maybe that will help you is. Um, I'm only going through this pass and I'm looking for structure and making sure it is structurally sound, making sure that the bones are good. Then I'm going to lay on muscles. Then I'm going to lay on skin. And by the time it's got skin on it, then it looks like a book. 
Um, but you're not supposed to like the first draft. If you like the first draft, it means your taste sucks. Uh, so uh, you, sh- you should like, but you should like the, like by the time you get to the end, you know, the fifth or sixth draft, whatever the 20th draft for me, it's the third draft for me. It's I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I think I've just screwed up everything. I finished the first draft and I go, Oh, that wasn't that bad. And then I do the second draft and I'm like, Oh, it's a book now. Uh, so uh, it, it does though help to go through and look for one thing, each draft. Uh, and if you have problems with structure, then like go back and fix the structure and then do another draft on structure. Don't go back and like do the, go, don't go to the character thing until the structure is right. Mm-hmm. And then don't go to the proofing stage until the character and dialogue and prose are right. Uh, but uh, each stage, then the most important thing is bones. Like you, if you have a structure that is good, uh, you can lay all the other stuff down. Now, the most important thing is really character. Like, if you have a character and a shitty structure, people are still going to follow the, the book. If you've got a shitty character and a great structure, then, like, no one's going to follow it. Um, uh, so the real thing is character. But, like, character is, an, um, is, a, is, a, is a fickle mistress. Uh, and uh, a lot can go wrong in character. Very little can go wrong in structure. Like, like Or, like, very little objectively uh, can go wrong in structure, whereas character is very subjective. Um, Structure is like, did this, did this part effectively move, make the character, make the reader keep reading? If they're reading, it generally has pretty good structure. But what you really want is to start in late and get out early of every scene. Make sure it has a three act structure. Make sure each, each scene builds on each other in the chapter. Make sure every chapter builds on each other in the sequence. Make sure every sequence builds on each other in the story. And once you have that, kind of got a book, book, <laughs> book now. Uh, then the rest of it is much more subjective. Uh, you know, character and dialogue and what makes good dialogue and what makes bad dialogue. And uh, character is probably the, like, what makes good prose. All of this is very, very subjective. But by the time you get done with the structure, you should at least have the baseline on the prose. Because prose is very little besides like effectively communicating the tone of the book mm-hmm. and like making sure the reader can picture it in their mind. Uh, so you kind of prose and structure go together a little bit and then like dialogue and character kind of go together a little bit. And I don't know, that's uh, hopefully that's helpful. And it was, I mean, this whole interview has been basically a writer's masterclass on how to build a career and every. Thing in between <laughs> one of the most important things to know is that your career would not be built on one book mm-hmm. if you really want to make a career you're going to have to write 10 20 books um, maybe not in the same series but like every book builds on the last one um, you really want to have a signature series that has a million words in it like that's the end goal for like a like there's not going to be a jd salinger again really like there's yeah. like that has the one book so your best bet is to like Make a book that has a million words in it. It's a good goal. Problem is that you suck at writing when you first start writing. So don't make the first series your like million word book. It's better to have three or four series that have three to five books in them. Mm -hmm. So that if a book sucks, you can just move to the next universe and not have to worry about that being the starting point. So many friends of mine end up 
like starting their big series and then having to go back and re-edit because they're growing as an author. You really want to start your big series like once you know who you are as an author and where you want to go and what your voice is going to be. And before then, you can sort of move around and do all of these other things. And you're not going to get like if you do a bunch of different books and a bunch of different genres, you are not going to get very popular in any of those genres. And it's going to feel like a waste because the way that books are built is you're looking for a readership in the same genre so that every time you are throwing another book at them, they are mm-hmm. buying it. They're buying it, buying it, buying it, buying it. And, and, and then each time like the mythos grows of who you are and you're feeding people back to book one, feeding people back to book one so they can pick up book one. And then they're going from that to your other work. But until you can break through the, um, to the, not necessarily JK Rowling level, but like the Harry Potter, where like someone goes Harry Potter and they go, I know that book. Mm-hmm. You know, people, once people can do that, then you can literally forever just make money on Harry Potter. Like, like, like J.K. Rowling will forever make money on Harry Potter because, uh, uh, the, or, or Suzanne Collins in the Hunger Games. They'll just always make money on that, on, on, on those things because people know that it's b- built into the consciousness of that group of readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so too often writers want that one book and then that's the hit. The, the now the on, inverse of that is also true. Um, People uh, then uh, also get too hung up on the next book and they don't realize they have a back catalog of a bunch of books that can do them justice and can do things for them. Um, so you want to work somewhere in the middle, which is where a signature series is really nice because you uh, you then have the ability to uh, to uh, to keep building out the world and bringing people to book one and keeping the read through to flip through to all of those things. Wow, that was heavy. That was heavy. There's a whole explanation of that and how to become a successful author. By the book, people. So um, I, I'd like to, I'd, first off, I'd like to thank you for your time. And second off, I'd like to thank you for your energy and all your knowledge. And it, it's just been plethora. I'm going to really have to go through this interview with notes and, and, and break everything that you said down and apply it to myself as well as a lot of other readers that listen to this. But my last um, question is, what is a word of advice you wish you knew at the beginning of your writer's career? Oh, I can actually give this at the end of a, of a, of a thing today. Cause we did not get to it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. This is my best piece of advice. It's going to be very dark. Um, <laughs> so uh, about a year ago, I had done a bunch of uh, launches that did very, very, very badly. I'm talking about like I spent tens of thousands of dollars and I made hundreds of dollars on these books. Mm. Like they're so bad. Uh, it, it was so, it went so poorly for me um, that I was uh, suicidal. Oh. Uh, I was like uh, literally like days where I went to my wife one day and I said, Karen, if we had a gun in this house, it, it'd be over. I just ca- cannot do this. It's not even worth it. Um, it's really bad. And I learned from that experience that you cannot tie your self-worth to your success or failure. Um, you, abs- you, you have to understand that your career and your life is made of many, many, many things. You are a writer. Uh, you are also a, uh, a, a reader, a video game player, father, a husband, a, 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 a wife, a, a, a person who likes tangerines, a person <laughs> does music a podcast or whatever that thing you have a wealth of informational knowledge uh, that, that that makes you and if you lost any of those things um it would not destroy your identity and so success or failure cannot um do that 
uh, should not do that either. Um, a great way to understand that is for, for me was instead of starting to think of myself as a failure, I thought of myself as a person who fails, a person who succeeds, um, a person who does a bunch of other stuff too, though. Um, uh, and the good news of that story is that once uh, once I sort of started to do the hard work of of, 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 of making that happen, um, we had three of my best launches ever. Uh, I went back to basics and I, I sort of examined and I, I took all of those books that like had not made a profit and I relaunched them in January and they were they not only made a profit, um, but they became my most successful series ever. Uh, yeah. Chronicles, uh, two graphic novels and four books now soon to be five books. And like, I'm about to start once I finish this uh, book, I'm starting, uh, I'm starting another uh, uh, book in the Godsverse Chronicles because they are so successful. Um, then um, uh, I, uh, I, I, I relaunched, I did the second volume of Cthulhu is Hard to Spell. That one raised $31,000, our second best Kickstarter launch ever. Uh, then I relaunched the fifth issue of, of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. Uh, the fifth issue of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter raised almost $17,000 for a single issue of comic book. Mm -hmm. So those three books ended up being, uh, I went from having the worst launches ever to making over $50,000 uh, in the past, uh, from September to March of this past year on books, just by launching books without ever, anything else. So uh, there are a whole bunch of, uh, of, of ways that you can turn it around, but you can turn it around. Um, but you, it feels real good, especially for someone who is not known to have self-worth like myself, uh, to, to tie your self-worth to your success when you're on the, when you're on the glow up. Uh, but, uh, the, the world is really weird. Your brain is really weird where if you go from zero to 50, um, uh, and then you go from 50 to 49, it does not think that you just made it 49 steps. It thinks that you lost the step because it becomes accustomed to where your new thing is. And at some point, there is nowhere to go but down. At some point, you will peak. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and if you peak, you might then drop a little bit and then like level off or you might level off or whatever it is. Like you're not just going to become like massive success after massive success after massive success. And it is really hard on the on the whatever the 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 uh the uh, the scuff up mm -hmm. the scuff down to uh to then uh also uh to 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 also not tie yourself to that success uh, to, to tie yourself to that failure and that is when things get disastrous uh, because you will have failures a lot of failures i've had so many failures but the failures felt a lot easier to deal with when i was on the ride up or when i wasn't like affecting the station that i had built um so yeah, you just have to understand that all of this stuff takes time and that um, uh, you also, this, this other thing that you don't think about um, is you never know how many people are lurking on your work. You know, I, I'm constantly surprised at how many people literally never reply to me ever when I'm sending them emails, I like, like my big email for the week, never like respond to me when I'm on Facebook or Twitter or anything like never respond. And then I do a Kickstarter and they'll drop $200 on it. And I'm like, uh, consistently, like everything they'll drop like 50 or a hundred dollars. I haven't talked to them in months. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like, they are there every time. Like, and, and, and people that say that I haven't talked to in years will even, will just message me now and tell me like how helpful I was for them. Like at some point in their career, I'm like, I haven't heard from you in five years, but they were <laughs> thinking of me. 
uh, even though like I was not thinking of them or even though like maybe uh, I just didn't think that they even remembered who I was. Uh, so all of that thing, uh, uh, you don't know what is happening behind the scenes. I didn't know what was happening with those books that were going badly. I just knew that like, uh, I just, I, I tied myself. So, and like my literal complete creative business is built upon the fact that like, I am successful. So like, watch me be successful and then you can be successful if you train like it. So that was even harder. Cause like, that's half of my income mm-hmm. that like I was on the line when like I was not. So I had to do a lot of work to be like, no, no, no. I have, I have, I, even if things go badly, I still have built up the like ability to like still talk about this because like, look at where I've come from, came from nothing. And like, now I like, now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the best thing that I could tell you is um, you have intrinsic self-worth just by being born. Um, you, your projects are going to be unique and amazing and weird in the way that like only you can, only you have had your exact set of experiences, just like only I have had my, only I have had my uh, exact set of experiences and, uh, the world needs experiences and, 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 and new point of views and different point of views now more than ever. And, uh, I am very confident that no matter what weird thing that you do, uh, or you want to do, there are 10,000 people in this world that will like love it and like cherish it because like my books are weird, man. They are weird. Like they are like, I have a book about a pickle who falls into a black hole. And like, I just spent 30 minutes talking about it on a podcast like today. Yeah. Um, uh, I drew that book and like, it is, uh, people still are talking about it to this day. Uh, I have, uh, I have, uh, you know, books about mythology and magic and monsters that like bring all the mythologies together and like, and like, uh, 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 uh smash them together in weird and interesting ways and like combine genres and like do all of this stuff. And it is a really weird freaking series, man. Uh, uh, and uh, people still, respond to it because there's i learned that like i could be the kind of writer that wrote everything like other people and those writers are necessary like there are writers that like can can mimic anyone's style and it's friggin' amazing and like i love them but for me uh i needed to be able to say like i am the one who writes these this book i am the one who writes books like this and if you want books like this you can come here if you do not want books like this, you can go somewhere else. But like for the people that want books like this, I am the human being who holds those books and who can deliver those books to you. And you have to find it. it may not be easy to find, but um, they are there and I am here um, because uh, uh, and then once you have that, you can, it's then just about sharing it with as many people as possible in as many places as possible and then planting your flag and coming back again and again and again and and and, and believing that your audience is going to be there for you wow i i i think that is so important what you said of, of of figuring out you are the person that that has that can deliver that specific message whatever it might be some people might not be novelists or even have a book that they want to write but finding whatever it is that one thing it seems like you found it in life and and you're just running with it and that is so admirable man so first i like lastly i'd like to thank you for inspiring me yeah you're welcome and uh can i tell people where they can go to find of course of course i was gonna that was gonna be my next question uh how can the people get in touch with you 
Sure. So uh, the easiest way, uh, if you are a creator, is to go to the cre- completecreative.com, listen to my podcast. Um, if you want to build your own audience, I have a free audience building course called, uh, uh, which is at uh, thecompletecreative.com forward slash audience. But as Jordan uh, uh, expressed, uh, I also have a novel course, uh, which yes. is absolutely free, which you can get at um, thecompletecreative.com forward slash novel. And it is basically my entire process for writing a novel in under a month. I'm from soup to nuts. Uh, I don't hold anything back. Uh, and uh, and uh, it used to be a paid course that I made free uh, because I don't uh, uh, because I just wanted more cool stuff in the world. And then um, if you like monsters, mythology and magic, um, I'm also a very good writer. Some would even say world class. I would say world class, especially when it comes to fantasy and mythological fantasy and you can if you, the easiest way to, to find that is at russellnolte.com you can uh, at the top of the page join my mailing list uh find my books and i will send you five books um uh, uh f- five books for free the first issue of ichabod jones the first issue of katrina hates the dead uh the uh a selection of my uh, anthology cthulhu is hard to spell the first chapter of my how to build your creative career book uh, called How to Make the Best Work of Your Life, and a short story from the Godsverse about the first day of the apocalypse. And from that, you will be able to make a very informed decision about whether I am the kind of writer who you want to follow or not. Um, but uh, if you are, I look forward to uh, making weird stuff for you for many, 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 many decades to come. All right. So uh, all the links will be in the show notes. And um like that's a perfect way to end the episode, I guess. Like, thank you for your time, Russell. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Now go forth and create.